0: How are you, Luke? Good. <laughs> well, here we are, more than halfway through the month. <sighs> Golly. We have birthdays. John, you're actually having a birthday. <laughs> Tuesday. Bo- both you and Nancy Miller. That's great. Good for that. Good for that. Okay. Uh, I think, I might be speaking out of a term, but I think this, the roofing on the, the flat part out there is finished. Yeah, so uh, I noticed all the uh, insulation that was piled over against the gymnasium has been go- is gone, so I would imagine it's up on the roof. And uh, I know that uh, the skylights are out. If you look, they're covered over. So I think that is finished. Joel's not here, uh, he would know for sure, he worked, was working with them, but uh, they they went to a, a baby dedication today, one of their grand, grandsons, is it, Paul, do you know for sure? Grandson. Grandson, yes, getting dedicated, so that's wonderful, so that's where they're at. Okay, uh, uh, I've just talked to Mel on the way up here from Sunday School, and you know we have the super bowl the food out there that's going to go over to jubilee mel's going to take care of that and he was wondering whether maybe we want to do that a couple times a year instead of just once a year and that might be something we can we can uh, come up with that's an easy thing to do and uh, uh, help some people out that maybe need some food something that we can easily do and and uh, maybe once a quarter or something like that so We'll see what Mel comes up with as far as as taking it over to Jubilee, and then uh, we can make some decisions on that. All right. Well, I think we have everything announced that we need to announce. So it's now quiz down. They didn't say anything. Well, except Amy. Okay. Let's turn our attention to our prayer ministry guide. Let's see if uh, we have any updates. Christine, do you have anything you need to bring us up to date on? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, yes, I have a couple updates here. Uh, Lena on its my cousin's wife. Uh, she is now was transported since last week to Hospice of Mount Joy and it's a matter of hours or days with her it's gone very quickly within two weeks that we even found out anything happening so it's very sad um, and the little girl we have on Madeline housenecked is her last name she's down at the, on our prayer guide there this is a little 10 month old baby at Hershey Med Center and Shirley Meyerhofer had called me to put this little girl on, and Shirley just shared this morning, uh, this little girl is not doing well. Uh, Now she has running fever yet, which is not good. And this last time, she was brought on the lifeline from Altoona. This is her third time to the Hershey Med Center now on the lifeline. She's 10 months old. Uh, They didn't expect her to make it when they flew her there this time. So this is getting very difficult, and it's very, very serious with this little 10-month-old baby. So just keep a little battle in in your prayers, which I think a lot of us have been doing. I had put her on the prayer chain right away <clears throat> when Shirley called me. And there's many others on here. I know my sister-in-law I have on here, Sherry Burrier. Uh, she has the same cancer I had. And it's in the lymph nodes, and now I found out yesterday it's third stage they can treat but it's tough and in, in lymph nodes we have many many lymph nodes that's scary you know mine was contained in one spot it, i had it nowhere else uh, it you know, there's just all things happening. We have so many on here. Our prayer our prayer guide itself, we're getting to the point we're soon gonna need another page. But there's so many people in need of constant it's either surgery or the illness or whatever's happening with them, even family problems, whatever. But we just need prayers for everyone. Lots of need. Put your prayer chain prayer guide in your hand we pray and pray on that prayer guide there's so many yeah.
0: Yeah. and it's good that we have those names on our prayer guide people are realizing that prayer works and they want prayer so that's that's a good thing who else Dave let me walk back there sir Well, I had um Friday, no- Friday appointment at 1 o'clock. Everything came out good. I had no um, no keystones. They want to see me back another year. Oh, that's good. Good news. Good for you. That's a good praise. Yes, that is a good praise. Anything on Amy? Uh, just, uh, I think constant, slow improvement. Okay. So there is some, a little, little bit of improvement then. Okay. Very good. I should have given you the microphone. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you notice that Earl has not been here. Earl Blatt has not been here. Uh, I called Earl and Loretta last Sunday, and uh, uh, Loretta has kidney stones, they, she found out, and supposedly she was going to go to uh, the doctor early this past week, so I don't know what to Status is and I think that's why they have not been in church. So we missed we missed them Did I turn it off it's on. Oh, there we go. Um,
2: my grandson had the appointment on Friday with ENT and um, His birthday's today. So he's one. Oh, they did say that his um, tonsils and adenoids look swollen But they don't remove them till 18 months Um, sometime overnight Wednesday night into Thursday morning his oxygen alarm went off and his oxygen was under 80 I forget 78 79 I don't know what it's supposed to be but not that so um, she just woke him up and then I guess when you get him wide awake then it goes back up so um, as it stands now they are going to bring something from the doctor's office to test his oxygen levels for two nights, and he's probably going to end up having oxygen, because they don't remove tonsils and adenoids until they're 18 months now, so that's a possibility, I guess, six months down the road.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, at least they're keeping track of it. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Okay, well, as we said earlier, we have two birthdays coming up. And uh, John, I saw John getting cake and ice cream ready out in the, the lobby, so how about if we sing happy birthday to John and Nancy, for people who are suffering with various diseases, cancers, and whatnot. So many illnesses plague us, Lord. So we come to you, the great physician, our Father in heaven. We want to talk to you, Lord, and you want to listen. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to do so. We pray that you will intercede on the individuals that are suffering, comfort those who have lost loved ones, give hope to those that are improving, and those that have not expressed verbally their concerns You know. They don't have to tell us. But we ask that you address those concerns also. Lord, we know that you're the great physician. We know that you empower those doctors and nurses that attend to us on a daily basis. Give them the skills that they need to address the problems that we so readily have. Thank you Lord. Thank you for all the miracles that you have performed, all the things we attribute to doctors and modern medicine. Yes, that's wonderful, but who gave them those skills but you? And thank you for that. What would we do without a loving God? What would we do without a Savior named Jesus Christ? Lord, We are so helpless, we are so weak, but you are strong and we love you and you love us even more. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our savior. Amen.
3: I want to just take maybe a few minutes, if I can, and show you all the, uh, the website that we've been working on. Oh. So if you want to maybe move in, you'll be able to see the, the front page of the website. Wow. Um, so when people come to our website now, we have a, this aerial footage of our church, and there's a, a bunch of, of information down here at the bottom. And I'm still working on filling in all of the content on the website but I think it looks pretty cool this aerial video of I do not have a drone but I used I, I actually worked with a guy who has a drone and um, worked with him to, to develop the the website and he has a drone so he flew over the building got some cool pictures and stuff like that so down here we have more information and so anyway I just wanted to let you know what we're Kind of working on behind the scenes, you may not care. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know i I think it's pretty cool i you know they say that the most important thing about a web page is is the landing page. When you first arrive, it has to grab your attention, or else people don't want to they don't want to stay there. so um, anyway, I think it's pretty cool. Live video, yeah. So, And what I what would be nice to do, um, and we can swap out that video, um, you know, at any point, but it would be nice to, um, to um, have someone come in and um, get some live action shots of us here on a Sunday morning, and then we can put that on the website as well. So when people come to the website, they could, you know, see us greeting one another, smiling, laughing, you know, shaking hands. Um, So, and that actually brings up another point that I wanted to to ask. Does anyone here, uh, is anyone a a competent photographer? Anyone um, feel competent with photography? If so, let me know because we can take pictures. Any pictures that we take, we can obviously put on our website. I'm not, you know, a skilled photographer. So if anybody has that passion or that skill, let me know because um, I'd like to get some pictures to fill in on the website because right now we have a lot of stock images that you can buy from companies and um, I'd like to personalize it if we could. Um, and if you don't want to be in the picture, that's fine. You don't have to be. Um, but um, if we don't have anyone here that feels comfortable doing that, then I'll just call someone and, and, and have them take some professional shots. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks uh, for sustaining us through the night. Thank you for the air in our lungs and the beating of our hearts. We are alive because you sustain us. You have given us life. And we are coming here today to approach your word, to be humbled by your word and reminded of the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will open our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you might notice the title of the sermon today, Forgiveness Before the Offense, John 13. Luke and I enjoy wrestling on the floor, he enjoys climbing on top of me, and I think Probably all children enjoy playing with their parents in that way when they're young, especially boys. He also enjoys playing with Evelyn. But he doesn't yet recognize that he's bigger than she is. And because he is bigger than she is, he can easily hurt her. And so about two months ago, Luke was playing with Evelyn, and he hurt her. And they like to play this game where Evelyn will crawl away from him as fast as she can, and then she stops and, and looks back at him and smiles and laughs. And then, you know, Luke, he chases after her. And, and then after catching up with her, he, you know, hugs and squeezes her. And, and um, so on one occasion recently, Luke caught up to Evelyn. And instead of hugging her and, and squeezing her and kissing her, he decided to sit down on top of her. And not just on top of her legs or her back, but he decided to sit right on top of her head. Her head slammed down into the floor and, you know, she screamed and cried. And <laughs> yeah, Luke knew that he had done something wrong, but because I had never instructed him to not sit on your sister's head, I decided to not discipline him by spanking him. Rather, I sat him down and explained why he cannot do that and while also saying that if he does it again he will be disciplined. And Luke said that he understood exactly what I meant. and Well, a few weeks ago, the same thing happened. Luke sat on Evelyn's head. And you'll not be surprised to hear that Evelyn screamed and cried again. And I picked up Luke and I took him up to his room and sat him down on his bed. And just like my father used to do to me, we talked about what he did wrong. And how he disobeyed me and I disciplined him and he cried and I looked him in the eyes I told him that I forgive him that I loved him I gave him a hug we went downstairs and continued to play so as not to dwell on the mistake that he had made but to teach him that we're moving forward it's exactly how my father disciplined me and perhaps his father disciplined him and it's scary how we become our parents <laughs> it's scary now you might be wondering, well, what's the point in this story? Well, the point that I'm trying to make is this. Luke disobeyed a direct command that I had given him. He sat on his sister's head. And it was only after I had disciplined him that I extended forgiveness to him. Forgiveness only came after Luke's offense and after he had been disciplined. And I wonder how many of us carry this same idea with us when we approach the Lord after we have done something wrong. We think that forgiveness only comes after we have sinned against the Lord and after we have received some form of discipline or punishment. And so the title of the sermon is Forgiveness Before the Offense. And what I want you all to know this morning is that we have already been forgiven for what we will do wrong tomorrow and on Tuesday next month, next year, ten years from now. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that for those who are confessing Christ as their Savior, we have already been forgiven for every sin that we have or will ever commit in this lifetime. And Jesus demonstrated this fact to His disciples on the eve of His crucifixion. Now, this is hard for us to grasp. And I'll be the first person to admit that I struggle myself to acknowledge the fact that I have already been forgiven for what I have yet to do wrong. It seems countercultural, doesn't it? You might even say it seems otherworldly. And it is. It is otherworldly. We have this ingrained tendency to think that we must somehow make it up to God that we must win back His love for us before we can experience His forgiveness and then move on in our relationship with Him. I'm getting ahead of myself here, so let me stop on that, and we'll come back to that idea later. For right now, let's open our Bibles to John 13, and we're going to read together. Starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Judas, to betray Jesus, excuse me. Now in the ancient world people would gather around a table in a reclined position. Uh, this is very different than, than what we do today when we um, come around a table, but their heads would be facing inward. So if you can picture, they're all around this table, and their heads are facing inward, their feet are facing outward. Again, it's, it's quite different than what we're used to, but this is how they would gather around a table in this reclined position. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now this, I think, is a profound passage in Scripture. It says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus was supreme in every way. All things were in his hands, so he could easily have risen up, called fire down from heaven to destroy his enemies, but instead he chose to get up from the meal to wash his disciples' feet. Now, he knew that Peter was about to deny him three times. He knew that the rest of his disciples were about to abandon, to abandon him and act like they had never had any association with him whatsoever, And he even knew that Judas was about to betray him. And yet, despite having infinite power and foreknowledge of what was to come, he chose to wash their feet. that, That is profound. It was a symbol for what he was about to do on a cross, it was forgiveness before the offense. Paul says, in, Paul says in Philippians 2, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you, verses 6 through 7, who, meaning Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and, being, and even being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I think he might get that idea from this passage here, that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And Paul says he didn't, Jesus didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he humbled himself. Let's go to verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, it's important to read this question not as being inquisitive rather as being rhetorical. Yeah, right. You're going to wash my feet, Lord? There is no way that I will allow that. That's the the tone that Peter expresses here. And so why did Peter feel this way? Well, in the ancient world, only servants washed the feet of others. Peers did not wash the feet of others. And masters certainly did not wash the feet of their servants. In fact, Jewish records indicate that the feet that the washing of feet was so degrading to a person that it was it was not something that even a Jewish servant would do for another. It was only something that a Gentile servant would do for another person. Yes. This was an extremely degrading thing in, in the culture of the Jewish people to wash one another's feet. And so starting in verse 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. Well, in that case then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Now it's clear that Jesus is saying to Peter, you don't know it now, Peter, But I'm on my way to a cross to cleanse you from all sin. Now, I can identify with Peter in a lot of ways. Maybe some of you can. I appreciate how firmly he held his beliefs. And then I also appreciate how quickly he changed his beliefs when he heard a word from the Lord. Let's go down to verse 10. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, you see, Peter was going to be cleansed from sin by the work of Jesus on a cross. But he was still going to pick up dirt along the way in his lifetime. And so it's almost as if Jesus is saying, Peter, you don't know it now, but I'm on my way to a cross to cleanse you from all sin. And my sacrifice on your behalf is going to be an eternal sacrifice. That means it is sufficient for all time. And it will perpetually cleanse you from sin, from the dirt that you pick up in this lifetime. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. And so we wash one another's feet based upon this passage of Scripture. But I wonder if it would be better for us to wash the feet of someone with whom we have a disagreement with, maybe. I wonder if what we should really be thinking about when we're washing feet is the fact that Jesus has forgiven us before we did anything wrong. And that we too should also forgive others before they do anything wrong to us. I found it to be the case in my own life that it's more uncomfortable to have someone else wash my feet than it is to wash another's feet. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I suspect I'm not alone in that. And I know that I'm not alone in that because that's the way Peter felt, right? He didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. So you ask the question, why? Well, why do we feel that way? I think the answer to this question goes back to Genesis 3. And if you want to turn there, I'm going to go to Genesis 3, verses 6 through 10. I'll give you a moment to turn there if you would like. Genesis 3, verses 6 through 10. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, many have said that these verses are perhaps the saddest verses in the entire Bible. Adam said to God, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Adam and Eve sowed fig leaves to hide their nakedness. And I think the real meaning here is that Adam and Eve saw their sinfulness. They were trying to cover and hide their sinfulness before God. They were ashamed of it. And so they hid from God. Now, I don't think much has changed since then. We have been ashamed of our sin since the beginning. We're ashamed of our sin, and so we try to hide it. We try to hide it from God and from others. You say, well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we try to hide our sin? How do we hide our sin? Well, one way is we tend to act moral. You want an example of this? Ask any person if they're a good person. You will be hard-pressed to find someone who says, I am a terrible person. Thanks for asking, but I am actually the worst of the worst of sinners. No, most people don't answer that way. Instead, they say something like this. You know, yeah, I I think I am a good person. You know, I try to do the right things, and I try to be considerate and to treat others the way that I would like to be treated. You try to tell someone that they are bad, and they'll give you all the reasons why they are good. And you see, there's a great temptation for us to cover our sin and shame by appearing as though we are good and moral persons. And this is perhaps what the Pharisees struggled with. It's easy for us to think that we are different from the Pharisees, but I, I suspect that we're probably a little bit more like them than we want to admit. The tendency to act moral, to perfect ourselves before God, That was the same struggle that formed the main subject of the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That word perfected there, that, that we get the idea of sanctification, of moving, moving closer to God, being sanctified towards God in the process of this life. And so that's what Paul's referring to here. Are you being perfected by works of the flesh? The Galatian churches received forgiveness and new life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they were trying to perfect, they were trying to sanctify themselves by being moral and following the law of God. The tendency to act moral is a defense against seeing our incredible need for a Savior. Let me say that again. The tendency... To act moral is a defense against seeing our incredible need for a Savior. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. It was an image of what he was about to do on a cross and what his sacrifice would do for the rest of our lives here on this earth. He cleansed them from sin, but they scattered and abandoned him. They denied knowing Him or even having anything to do with Him before Judas would even betray Him. And so what I want to say this morning is this. Whatever you have done wrong, whatever you did wrong last night, this morning, whatever you will do wrong today, tomorrow, next week, next year, ten years from now, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is enough. We have been forgiven once and for all. We have been forgiven before the offense. The temptation to act morally is a defense against seeing our incredible need for a Savior. It is also a way in which we try to perfect or sanctify ourselves Jesus says to his disciples, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. I think sometimes we try to wash our own feet, right? By trying to do good things. We're aware of the fact that we are missing the standard of God, and so we're ashamed. We try to cover ourselves by sowing moral fig leaves on our bodies. But you might be saying, well, Ryan... What about all those commands that God has given us in the Old Testament? What about loving your neighbor as yourself? And aren't we supposed to do those things? Yes, we are. We are supposed to do those things. But we can't. At least we can't do those things from our own strength. And that's the whole point of the law of God. It was our paedagogos, as Paul says in the book of Galatians. We translate that word as guardian or disciplinarian, a tutor of school children. Paul says, Paul says in Galatians that the purpose of the law of God, what the law was really designed to do, was to lead us to Christ. Its purpose was to show us that we cannot save ourselves by our own morality. We cannot wash ourselves. We need a Savior. That was the purpose of God's law. The temptation to act moral, it's a heavy, heavy burden. Many of us have, probably all of us, struggle with this at some point in our lives. We carry this burden of trying to live up to the standards of God, thinking that we have to make it up to God and wash our own feet when we have stumbled and sinned. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I believe what Jesus is saying to us is this. I've already done everything that is needed on your behalf. Rest in me. Trust in me. I will finish what I have started. You have already been forgiven for your past sins and your future sins. I will continue to wash you because my sacrifice is sufficient for all eternity. You don't have to carry this heavy burden of trying to make it up to me. You can't do it. Only I can do it. And I have done it. Dallas Willard. I don't know if anybody knows that name. Does anybody know the name of Dallas Willard? No, he was a, a, a great Christian. Theologian, just a wonderful, influential man in the evangelical church. He said, quote, the Christian life is what you do when you finally realize you can do nothing. <laughs> Forgiveness before the offense. Now, that's not what we expect in this life, but it's what our God has done for each of us. Perhaps some of us reflect on our lives and we recognize just how far we really are from God. Maybe we thought that we would be closer to God by now and at this point in our lives. We've tried to do things to bring ourselves closer to God. We've tried to wash our own feet thinking that it will bring us closer to God. If you thought this, and you are burdened by that thought, then I want to say to you this morning that you are in a beautiful position. It is from that position that Jesus teaches us that He is everything. Everything that we presently need or will ever need. They say that real prayer begins with honesty. In other words, prayer is not a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. I've made the mistake of Being good in prayer. I don't know if anybody else in here has. Honest prayer. Opening ourselves up to the Lord. Revealing everything that is inside of us and saying to the Lord, I can't do this, Lord, and I'm frustrated. Why? That's honest prayer. So I want to spend the next few minutes in silent prayer before the Lord. And I encourage you to, let's be honest before the Lord. Tell him about the burden that you may have been carrying. And if so, I want you to lay it down at his feet. And then next, I want you to center your hearts and your minds on this. We have received both a full pardon and a full acceptance. We have received both a full pardon and a full acceptance. The shed blood of Jesus Christ has covered our sins. All of them. We have received a full pardon from sin. We have been fully accepted into the kingdom of God because of the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to spend the next few moments, if you will. Let's contemplate and meditate on those things. The King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Mm -hmm. Who like thee his praise should sing? Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. And all God's people said, Amen. If you would please.